Hi, this is John Tolbert. I'm lead analyst here at Coopinger Coal. And today I'm joined by Cedric Vidman of CDES. Hi, Cedric. Hi, John. Warm welcome from my side. Um, my name is Cedric. I'm CEO from CDES, the leading European identity and access management, management solution. Well, welcome. Today, I think we'll talk about that uh, consumer identity and access management market and some of the trends and innovations and developments that we've been seeing there. Uh, you know, CIM, as we call it, has been around for a good uh, you know decade plus in many cases, and there are just more and more vendors getting into that market because you know it's a burgeoning market. There's there's a lot of need for solutions in that space. We've seen you know an increase in digitalization. Uh, you know, over the last few years, especially, you know, in response to the pandemic, everybody's doing business online. It's a it's a requirement, really, um, to to just stay ahead these days. So not only is it a requirement to have it, but we've seen the the types of use cases that uh, CIM has to address uh, just really expand a lot uh, in, in the last few years. And one of the things that I thought we could talk about is the, you know, the increasing need for verified identities on the consumer side. You know, for a long time, you know, when a, a new employee comes on board, there's an expectation, a need for uh, proving that that employee is who they are, you know, to a certain degree. And of course, on the consumer side, that's been true for certain industries like finance, uh, banking where they have uh, anti-money laundering laws and know your customer know your customer laws and regulations that have to be followed um, but you know what we're seeing now is is more of a need for that same kind of getting to know the customer uh, for other industries and and they're looking to consumer identity and access management solutions for that you know one example um, is you know, the uh, hospitality industry where, you know, short-term rentals, they are wanting some proof of who's going to be staying in a property. So there's there's a, a little bit more to the registration process than, you're, than there used to be. Um, what? So how would you respond to all that, Cedric? What, um, you know, what are you seeing in the market? What are some of the emerging trends, especially around, you know, verified identities or anything related to that? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you, John. So we also see a broad range of use cases for verified identities. So as you mentioned, starting from the regulatory um, environments like banks and insurances, where um, digital identity verification processes are important, um, for example, for opening an account or getting a loan. Um, but also, as you mentioned, um, use cases um, for um, not non-regulatory environments. So Mobility, as you mentioned, um, renting an e-scooter, renting a car, um, but also um, van rentals. If you consider retailers where you can rent a uh, van to transport the products just purchased. So there's a really broad range of different use cases where um, verified identities or the digital identity verification process itself is required. And um, I think it will grow, especially in the future, uh, much more. Um, because the verification of a user um, and the identity of the user itself will be an integral part of the 
of the user identity in the future. Yeah, definitely agree. You know, one of the things I've noticed, you know, as we're working on our update to the CIM research, you know, a lot of vendors either have or they're partnering with uh, third-party service providers that make, you know, what I would call like a remote onboarding application, you know, usually mobile-based, sometimes web-based, and that can help with identity proofing. You know, sometimes they can read uh, information from, say, the chip in a passport or a national ID card, uh, you know, over NFC, um, and then, you know, they could read barcodes, um, you know, with the camera, and then they even match the official picture on the document to a selfie. What sorts of capabilities are your clients looking for? Um, our clients are mainly using an uh, approach which is called auto-ident. So that's basically um, a video stream which is... Um, analyzed by artificial intelligence so automatically detecting the id document the features of the id document as well as the the user and the face of the user doing then a match um, if possible with the id document um, image as well as the the user um, there are several reasons for that um, one reason is nfc is quite comfortable but not all documents um, provide the nfc chip or a barcode today. So this visual approach um, provides some flexibility to um, analyze or detect different um, ID documents. For example, driver licenses um, often don't have an NFC chip, so it will be hard to use these me methods. So the auto ident approach itself um, is really a benefit. Um, other than, than that, the auto ident approach is quite convenient for the users. So it's not like the traditional video ident approach um, where you have to talk to an agent, um, let's say opening a bank account, 10 p.m. in the evening, you don't want to talk to a person for 10, 15 minutes. It's just more um, comfortable if you do an audit and approach, um, hold your ID document, passport, ID card, driver license into the camera, smile, and then it's done. So that's much faster and much more convenient for the user then. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I've also seen, uh, you know, and I'm aware of this kind of technology being used more and more for, you know, what some would call the B2E business to employee or workforce use cases. I mean, especially since the pandemic started, you know, people have changed jobs. They don't necessarily go into an office to get a, a new badge. So, you know, you can use a remote onboarding app the same way for bringing uh, a new employee in as as you would for signing up a new consumer for a bank site um, do you do you see the same kind of interest on for workforce use cases too yeah definitely so we see a tremendous raise in in workforce use cases um, as you mentioned especially during the pandemic it started so um, nowadays during the pandemic the onboarding procedures just changed so people are not coming on-site for the onboarding, but it's more like off-site um, onboarding where you have like complete digital process um, of signing up um, after digital identity verification, configuring your authentication methods, login credentials, multi-factor options, as well as compliance um, processes, what you have to finish during the onboarding process. So we see a big um, race in that. Um, started from the pandemic but also now onwards where like this remote work um, is more 
um, in trend and it's more required to identify the employees, but also in the context of um, partners, it's becoming more and more important. So if you have any suppliers, subcontractors, also there, it's quite interesting to identify um, the users and the persons um, working jointly with you. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. I mean, the working arrangements these days are far more complicated than they used to be too. So having ways to, you know, say remotely bring on contractors and get some identity verification for that, I think is uh, probably beneficial for, for everyone. Uh, well, what um, what trends do you see on the horizon for identity proofing in general, uh, especially with regard to this, uh, you know, remote remote onboarding kind of capability? Yeah, I think there will be different trends in that. Um, one big trend will be um, that the onboarding or the, the process of digital identity verification in general will be even more comfortable for the user in, in future because that's uh, um, main competitive advantage of these processes. If it's comfortable, users will do it. If not, they will stop doing it. Um, additionally, I think there will be a, a race between attackers and providers of such services. Um, considering, for example, um, the Autodent approach with um, video streaming, um, their new attack patterns arise, for example, um, deep fakes and all that. Um, same attack patterns will arise in different other sectors. So also there, it will be a race in security features, what these processes will provide to really securely identify um, the identities. Um, one big trend, what I what I am curious to see um, coming is the reuse of verified identities. So if I consider myself opening a bank account, um, I will do a digital identity verification process, confirm it's me, Cedric Wiedmann, and then um, in the next step, I want to apply for a loan. I don't need to do a new digital identity verification process. I can just reuse my verified identities in a later step. So maybe two months later when I apply for a loan. So I think the trend of reusing of verified identities, so the combination of the verified identity to a user account where I later can log in and reuse all the saved information. I'm quite curious to see how that will emerge in the future. So really acting as like um, a fully uh, digital version of myself. Yeah, I agree. You know, once, if you can trust the process, of yeah. the identification of the individual, that verification process, that event itself should be able to, you know, be reused within, say, a certain period of time for uh, similar use cases. Of course, there's, you know, a bit of risk analysis, I would assume that most organizations are going to trust that already uh, verified identity would want to go through. But yeah, that, anything that you can do to reasonably, uh, you know, reduce the friction, you know, onboarding experiences can be uh, somewhat frictional. Um, and, you know, I think as consumers, we all expect a certain amount of that. Uh, but if you can make it uh, convenient and show the the consumer that there's a, a value or a benefit for doing that, then I think it's something that uh, is more easily accepted. Yeah, correct. I think the the, the combination of um, the time-based aspect as well as the the risk-based analysis, what is um, what can be ensured. So if there's no suspicion, then a reuse might be possible. 
And then if not, a new process needs to be started, you're right. So, you know, we we can say that we have seen, you know, in my preliminary research, at least, that uh, there's much more need for identity proofing, you know, across industries and places like, like I said, you know, in, in hospitality. But, you know, some of the other um, trends that we see are around passwordless or, you know, making more and more use of what we would call risk-based analysis for authentication. What do you see on the on the passwordless and risk-based authentication side? I see a huge interest in that. So on, on both of the topics, um, taking the passwordless authentication, um, I see a huge benefit for user comfort there, as well as for security. So considering the, the biometric, uh, device biometrics, for example, that's already a, a well-known um, feature for most of the users. And I think it will provide a good user comfort. Um, additionally, I think the most common attack patterns are still brute force, phishing, and all that. So they're really um, focused on, on passwords. So passwordless authentications um, will also provide a really benefit, a real benefit in, um, in the security perspective. Um, considering our platform, we see more than 100,000 passwordless logins um, per week. So we already see uh, a bigger number there. And I think that will be a tr tr um, tremendous increase in the coming month and in the coming year. Um, curious to see about that. Same is for the risk-based authentication. So we have a smart MFA functionality, which basically allows uh, multi-factor risk-based. So when there's suspicious behavior, we'll ask for a multi-factor. If there's no suspicious behavior, maybe a single factor will be sufficient. So that allows to combine, especially also the security and the user comfort um, in that perspective. Um, and I think that's quite important because the user comfort is um, a preliminary um, for all the, the activities on certain platforms. So the balance between security and comfort is quite important. So both risk-based authentication as well as the passiveless authentication um, are really developments improving the user comfort and um, therefore um, providing a better convenience here. But I think there's also a few more um, things coming up there, which you are also focusing in your research, um, which are quite interesting for the future. Yeah, you know, I, I think I will focus on, you know, at EIC talking about things like, uh, you know, improving the consumer experience and you know risk-based analysis is is a real i won't say easy but at least it's something that's certainly addressed very very well i think by uh cim platforms it's just that many of the the companies that uh you know buy these don't really fully deploy all the capabilities that these solutions have you know and and like you were saying if there's not much change in the context of a request, then, you know, don't necessarily need to ask for, uh, ask the consumer for an explicit multi-factor authentication event. I mean, because that in itself adds friction. That's something that, you know, might convince a consumer that this, this site, this, this company's too hard to deal with. I'll find somebody else that's, that's easier, you know, so uh, you're right, getting the amount of friction right using technologies like passwordless and um, risk-based authentication, I think, 
definitely need to be more fully utilized by by companies and consumer fa- uh, consumer facing businesses today. Yeah, I, I also think if if we consider passwordless, um, if I remember, um, we two had a webinar 2018 where we talked about our real world identification um, feature. So also there, the goal is to connect a digital and real world identity. And considering the real world identity, passwords are not are not um, a good use case <clears throat> because in the real world you might not use a password at any. Um, smart TV or anything. So there are other capabilities to authenticate there. And um, same is if you want to enter, for example, a stadium or enter like an event, you don't want to enter a password to authenticate yourself. You use other um, technologies or concepts like NFC, barcodes, QR codes, things like that to authenticate yourself. So they are also, the authentication is passwordless. So I think that's also a big trend then. Yep, for sure. You know, on the whole, I'd say CIM is still a growth market and probably will remain a growth market for, uh, you know, the foreseeable future. So that means there's lots of opportunities for for vendors in the space, lots of room for improvement by consumer facing businesses that are adopting it. What um, what do you foresee as, you know, growth in the market? Uh, what um and how would you help customers that are getting into it to get the most out of their CIM solution? Yeah, so first of all, yeah, you're completely right. So CIM is a definitely a growth market. Um, we see many of the customers we are interacting with who are just starting um, with the CIM, um, with CIM platforms itself. So there are many, many companies out there um, which didn't start in the field of identity access management, at least not for customer, for customers. So there's a real um, big group of companies which didn't had any st- um, starting point with that on the area. So it's real. It's a real growth market. Um, we support in particular B two B and B two C use cases. Um, so starting from an extensive set of authentication options, including um, MFA methods. Um, for the B2B use cases, then also group management or self-administration capabilities where our customers provide their customers, which are then B2B. So companies or partners interacting there with a capability to manage their users on the customer portals. Um, but also privacy-related topics um, are quite or features which are often used by our customers. So in the context of GDPR, the um, the advanced consent management, so agreeing to terms of use, consenting to transferring the information, the user data or other data to partners um, or subcontractors. So different use cases where um, privacy is in place. So we see many use cases um, where we can support our customers and we are happily pushing them forward. Um, I also mentioned the real-world identification, so innovative features like that um, are quite often used for accessing, um, as mentioned, stadiums, for example, in the context of soccer or football. Um, So there are really a broad range of use cases where our customers are utilizing our platform, and we're happy to push that forward in the future and seeing the CR market to grow further and providing good user experience um, to end users. You know, that's interesting because I think you bring up a good point there, too, about um, 
you know, sometimes we think too rigidly about B to C, B to E. There are a lot of B to B to C kinds of use cases or just even, you know, business to business, uh, you know, kinds of customer arrangements that sort of fall into this middle ground between regular IAM and CIM. And, you know, the, the, the subject you're bringing up there, too, about what I'd call physical access controls, you know, that's something that might have been more traditionally on the on the workforce side, you know, letting employees into buildings, but, you know, letting letting ticket holders into sports events or other events. Correct. You know, I think that's it's a really interesting crossover cases. And I think that really illustrates that there's huge uh, growth potential here uh, by combining these technologies and and using the best of both to solve more and more kinds of use cases. Yeah, I agree. So I think especially there there are many use cases or traditional use cases where single sign-on multi-factor and authentication is important. And then the the use cases become more and more complex, um, extending to all different areas, including physical access. And that's I think that's also makes it quite interesting to see how the market develops in the future. Yeah, definitely. Well, great. Um, thanks for joining me today, Cedric. This is a really interesting conversation. Thanks um, for having me today. Um, was, as always, um, great to speak to you um, and hopefully see you soon. Yes, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Thanks.